finally some good news from Disneyland Resort, an entire Paris park might be closing, and once again, Shanghai might be showing us the way. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's been trying to figure out how it is that both Goofy and Pluto can both be dogs. The man, the myth, the myth legend, Henry Hall. Oh, yeah. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. How you doing, Henry? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been a uh, it's been a smoky week here in California. Smoky and hot. Smoky and hot, and sans power. <laughs> yeah, right. With the blackouts. I, let's switch gears then and t- from talking about the uh, the misery that we're currently in in California with everything else. So the word of the day I have for you, Henry, refurbishment. So specifically at Disneyland Resort, even going over and over and over about so many of the in-progress and future refurbishment plans, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that is could be uh, updated a little bit. Yeah, there there were a lot of plans in place, some of which started, some of which was kind of on hold. But like it's been we've been in the strange holding pattern with with these covid closures. But we knew about Snow White and Haunted Mansion. We knew about Toontown. We know about Splash Mountain happening at, at some point. There's still so many areas of the Disneyland Park that could use some type of work. The more we've been talking about this, the more I'm curious anyway, where you come down on some of it, dude. So like if you were king for a day, the king of Disneyland for a day, what are some of those areas of either Disneyland or California Adventure that you'd kind of want to clean up or, or you know, could be a smaller touch up, could be full on re-theme, but, uh, but just something that you think could could use a a nice freshen up. And of course, like we've talked about Tomorrowland over and over on this podcast. So let's just, let's give Tomorrowland a, 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 a pass this episode. We'll be back. I'm sure we'll tear it apart. We'll go into kind of what our hopes and dreams are at some point in the, in the not too distant future, but let's, uh, let's give it a pass for now. So what, what do you think, man? Like what's an area for you that sticks out? I think the, the areas that, uh, I immediately think of is, uh, I think of uh, Critter County, Critter, yeah, uh, country, Critter Country. I always want to say county. That gets me all the time too. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I mean, it is kind of a county more than it's a country. It's yeah. like, especially with the uh, impending uh, Splash Mountain kind of being reclaimed by New Orleans Square, at least at Disneyland, Critter Critter Country is quickly becoming more of county sized. So I got you. I think, yeah, I personally think it should be like a, like a poo corner or something like that at this point. Yeah. Since it's been so downsized and you don't have the country bear jamboree anymore. So, I mean, you just have the, uh, the restaurant, which 
you have no sight of the country bears. So I think that that should no. just kind of go on its way at this point. Uh, I think for some reason, I always come back to like, I always feel like uh, Frontierland could use something else. Yeah, I, I totally get that feeling. Like, it just feels so like, I mean, you have some stuff there. You have the, uh, you have the boat and, um, and you have, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the, uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which I love as a, (laughs) whatchamacallit, (laughs) what, (laughs) uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is one of my favorite, uh, uh, roller coasters, but I mean, there's there's just nothing else that really says frontier around there. I don't know. It just, I, f- I feel it needs something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You've got like the shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Entrance, especially at Frontierland. If you're coming in from that kind of, um, that sort of central hub at Disneyland, It's kind of weird because you don't, I think a lot of the other lands, especially when you walk in, there's like a really quick kind of uh, uh, slap you in the face sort of eye catching attraction or element or just something that really makes that sells the idea that you're in the Wild West. And, you know, I feel like that used to be perhaps Fort Wilderness, <laughs> you know, that fort that now yeah. has basically been locked up for ever. Um, that used to be good times. And, you know, I, I have great memories as a young kid being up there, especially in the upper areas where they had the guns that you could fire at people and, and do all that. So I guess it makes sense maybe why that element is, <laughs> is not there anymore. But yeah, it feels... <sighs> It does. It feels a little empty. That's the word that I kind of come down to, because even with, you know, a classic like Big Thunder and a classic like the Mark Twain Riverboat uh, and with the Rivers of America, it, you still have to kind of walk in a ways before you even see that. Right. Like you don't see Big Thunder when you enter in Frontierland. It's kind of tucked away to to the right a little bit more. Um, and I feel like, too. Maybe Tom Sawyer's Island technically is kind of frontier land, though now that it's Tom Sawyer's Island at Pirate Cove or whatever they've renamed it, the kind of pirate re-theme that they've given it, it feels a little less frontier landy. I don't know. So yeah, I, I dude, I'm I'm I buy that. I agree. Like frontier land is probably, you know, if I if I were to look at the at least the core lands at Disneyland right now. Outside of Tomorrowland, it's it's probably this number two that I feel like is uh, is the least impressive. Yeah, and then and then in uh, Disney's California Adventure, I want to say that like Hollywood, the Hollywood area, it either needs yeah. some like like spritzing up or like they basically it just feels kind of hollow cuz you really i guess now that the that the uh the tower of terror is no longer uh you know it's been rethemed as the what you call it as the uh, guardians of the galaxy galaxy mission breakout it, it's going to and then when you have uh 
Avengers camp is open up, it's probably going to feel like it belongs more a part of that. So then the only like ride you're going to have over there, which is, uh, is the monsters Inc. Uh, which never really felt like, I guess it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a different ride to begin with. And it got quickly changed over to a monsters, <laughs> Superstar Limo, one of the notoriously, like notoriously one of the worst yeah. Disneyland rides or Disney rides, period. Yeah, it was it was it was a mess. Yeah. So it never quite felt like uh, you know, it kind of belongs in a Hollywood area. So uh I think it would it would make sense to like get some kind of like overhaul for that area, especially since it yeah. I guess California Adventure is 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 going away from being themed all around California like it initially was when it opened up, which kind of never made a lot of sense to me because since most of the people who who visit the uh, park are mainly from California, it's like are yeah. we celebrating ourselves? Are we that narcissistic <laughs> that we gotta we have to have a theme park that's framed around our own stuff is like i can visit all these places and i have visited all these places so why do i want to go to a theme park where i'm basically visiting all these places that i've visited (laughs) in real life you know so yeah california adventure is a funny one like it's one of those just michael eisner swing and a miss right (laughs) like it uh if, if i remember correctly i believe I believe the idea, or at least his thought in theming at California was that it would keep guests that are coming in from abroad, so not locals, in that park a little bit longer because California, especially Southern California, um, just has a lot of touristy stuff going on throughout it that he was feeling at the time, and probably rightfully so, that that was sucking out a lot of people that normally would stay at a Disney park for a lot longer or a resort for a lot longer that, you know, people that you kind of go to Florida and just are there for like a week, um, that he was feeling like if you recreated some aspects of California around it, that maybe people would feel less inclined to go out and explore <laughs> California when they were stopping at Disney uh, on vacation. So I guess he felt like Disney was more of a stop along the way of kind of a longer vacation as opposed to your primary destination. So, I mean, I'm sure there's uh, there's definitely logic to that. Um, the problem, of course, being that Disneyland has been and probably will be for quite a while, a, a, you know, a locals park. Um, so, th- you know, that becomes problematic. And then just like you were talking about, and like we've like we've seen, uh, you know, the execution of the initial Disney California Adventure was pretty lackluster. So <laughs> that also doesn't help. Nobody wants to stay at your park when it sucks. So uh, yeah, that's problematic. But um, but yeah, no, I I'm I totally with you. Hollywood Land was on my kind of uh, was on my mind as well as one of these places that could use a a retheme. It definitely. You know, it, it feels it's just like in such a weird spot. And that is part of that. It's on the border of where Avengers Campus is going to be. So it's like it, part of in the middle of that weird kind of transition that that area of 
California adventure is going through. And because so much of like, there's that, there's that corner. It's really the back of California adventure or sorry, the back of Hollywood land is pretty much kind of like a Marvel Avenue, <laughs> right? yeah. like where they've got the meet and greets for all of the Marvel characters, pretty much. If you then wonder like, well, okay, so clearly it does not make sense that this is going to continue when Avengers campus opens because you would expect a lot of that Marvel meet and greet action to like migrate in inside that area of the park. At least I would hope. And then when that happens, like, well, then what? <laughs> because then there really isn't anything going on. Uh, there is like, you know, some, there are some nicer elements like the animation Academy and, you know, like, like, you know, we, we saw the last time we went there, the, this kind of cool um, beauty and the beast, uh, you know, beast library area that are kind of those interactive elements with it. And, and, um, and so, there's some of those places and there's like, you know, award wieners, which is good times always. Uh, there's schmoozies, which is good times as well. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's the monster sink ride, which is like fine for little kids that are fans of the movie, but it is kind of like a, sl it's like a slower sea level dark ride, um, which again makes sense because it was a very quick retheme that needed to be done to a ride that desperately needed to be replaced. So yeah, I agree, man, like a, a, a total refresh. And part of me is like, I'm always so worried about California adventure and that they are going to lose some of those California elements because it's a criticism you hear about California adventure constantly that it does feel like it's, it is probably one of the more homogenized kind of parks in that it doesn't have a distinctive personality. And with, Paradise Pier becoming Pixar Pier and now Avengers Campus coming in and, you know, with Cars Land, it, a lot of it does feel like it's just becoming like IP park, right? Yeah. Disney just throws in more and more IPs into this uh, with Tower of Terror going away and becoming Guardians, It uh, which is fun. It's great, but it does. It's like slowly chipping away at that that kind of unique aspect to the park, which was that California theme. And like uh, Grizzly Peak, dude, if they touch Grizzly Peak, I'm going to be so upset <laughs> because that area is like such a cool, that in particular is such a unique, uh, you know, area within a Disney park. There's no other, I mean, Animal Kingdom is, but that's the whole kind of aspect of Animal Kingdom is you do feel like you are in kind of like a conservation park because you are, <laughs> but you know, uh, but Grizzly Peak is you do legitimately feel, especially like when you're on uh, that Redwood Creek uh, Challenge Trail and when you're on the, um, you, the the Grizzly River Rapids, you feel like you're in like Yosemite. Like the theming is so spot on there um, that, you know, it'd be a real shame. It'd be a real loss if they were to get rid of that area. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when Avengers does move in, how it's going to change Hollywood land. It seems like it would prime it perfectly for some kind of refresh, but yeah, I, don't I know. could see what I, I mean. I've been thinking about it, like Hollywood and like how could they like change it and not necessarily just like 
because like you said, you pointed out, there are still some, definitely some elements over there that, that should be kept around. Um, but I think, yeah. I think it would be, they would, I think they would, uh, it would be if they did something like to celebrate like animation, uh, like, like a Disney animation period, instead of just saying Hollywood, they could just say yeah. like Disney animation, because that's a lot of the stuff that's over there is dealing with like the animation and celebrating like that kind of stuff. And you could easily transition all that stuff over to that and not like rework, uh, everything. And you could, because like you have the uh, symphony the that they brought over there, uh, Philhar Magic. Philhar Magic. That's over there, and with and it would still fit with the Monster Zinc, uh, which is a, yeah. a form of animation. And then you have the 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 Beauty and the Beast stuff and the the on the written page and stuff. All that stuff could still fit in to that, and even bringing in stuff like the. Uh, the live action stuff that is done from the animations. So like when they have the frozen live action playing over there in the, the big theater, it's still kind of, it still fits. So yeah. I think that would fit. And plus I think it feel, it fits in still with the overall way things have been going. But yeah, I agree with the uh, Grizzly Peak and all that area because Grizzly Peak uh, the, the trail. And then also with the, um, uh, the flight soaring, the different soarings, yeah. either soaring over whatever that is, the airstrip yeah. area or the, yeah, that, yeah. I think all of that kind of really celebrates kind of nature. And I think it still has, uh, a, uh, a place there. I, I, I think it should remain kind of untouched in a way because yeah it is it is a nice kind of like uh escape and i don't think there's a, as much like empty uh empty space over there that's not being used so uh especially because with the grand california over there it kind of you know fits with that well it is like it, it it's just one of the few areas within i mean you know, again, I, I think we could probably do a whole episode in terms of just breaking down kind of what works and what doesn't with uh, California Adventure. But yeah, I mean, with the with the kind of criticism of just it being a, a turning into an IP park, the other criticism, which I think is totally valid, is that it really doesn't do a very good job of kind of transitioning lands and areas. So, you know, you basically, I mean, you think about it, you're, you, you walk through, um, kind of like a vaguely California themed area out into past like cars land, which kind of fits into California, California themed area into like Pixar and into like kind of a fisherman's wharf area, but then like, you know, back into, it'll be Avengers kind of campus now and it just feels like this, again, like this mishmash of stuff. And, you know, when you think about, so I'm just visualizing right now, the walk from the entrance of California Adventure, 
where you go down that that main street, right? And I, I've always loved the idea and how it played with Disneyland of like Disneyland and, uh, you know, main street there was Walt's kind of childhood, his, his, his fantasized childhood vision of, I think it was like Marceline, the, the, the small kind of idyllic town that he grew up in. And so that as kind of like a, a transition and a transport back into childhood, you know, how that plays against California Adventures kind of idea of this is Walt's, you know, vision from when he first arrived in Los Angeles and the kind of opportunistic and fantastical and idyllic elements of Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, the, you know, um, and just all those kind of elements. Like I, I've always loved that, but going from that entrance, we are walking down that sort of level of main street, their main street, which is, you know, short, obviously, but you get up there, you get to the Carthay circle. Maybe you've passed by a couple of, of, uh, cast members that are, kind of themed to the period and are acting and interacting with you. I've, I've always loved that. That's something that they do at the magic kingdom that they don't do at Disneyland is have those characters on main street, but you do get that over at California adventure. So again, kind of is putting you into this kind of magical time frame that is kind of bringing you back, right? It, it, triggering that nostalgia, but then going from there, you take that right at Carthay circle and then you do get that really kind of natural transition from old Hollywood to kind of like the great American road trip, which is sort of what that airfield is that also feels very nostalgic, feels like something from like, you know, the seventies, it gives you those really good kind of vibes. And then that naturally transitions into that walk through the redwoods up through Grizzly Peak, which again, like feels like really good. It's a great transition. It really puts you into that environment you know, you've got the uh, you've got the rapids on your left. You've got the creek trail on your right. Um, you're kind of walk up through there, and then walk down, and then you come out to, I guess it's that it's that kind of uh, the entrance to Pixar Pier. It's like before you cross the bridge into Pixar Pier, but you've got you know the Little Mermaid on your right, which is in that kind of Palace of Fine Arts ish uh, building. So it still gives that kind of historical. Uh, a vibe to it, but just that, that like walk and those transitions feel so natural. And it's something that just California adventure outside of that doesn't really have and could probably use a lot more of something that Disneyland does very well. And a lot of the other parks do very well, but it's just, it's so poorly done at, uh, at California adventure. So it's like for no other reason, dude, keep that, <laughs> keep those areas. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, uh, I agree with you. It's, it, it feels like, um, when you look at stuff like, uh, say, I think the, 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 the sore point for me is that Pixar Pier, it feels like they wanted, they wanted to retheme, uh, the area for Pixar, but it doesn't feel like they fully committed to it. So it was yeah. like, well, we're going to basically take the old uh, Santa Cruz Pier area that was supposed to be based off of Santa Cruz, and we're just going to put, we're going to change the theme from Santa Cruz to Pixar. But then because Pixar, like you have, like if you look at like, uh, you have an example of Cars Land in Cars Land where they actually fully like that is a, I mean it's a Pixar uh, 
movie. So, uh, yeah. uh, so it, and so you see like they fully committed to that. It was, you feel like you're in, in the cars movie, but when you go to like Pixar pier, it feels like they basically just, you're at the regular, like Santa Cruz pier that was there before you, but they just put a, a coat of paint to kind of like say, <laughs> Hey, this is Pixar now. It, 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 yeah. I think my idea of like, if I was going to go to something like Pixar pier, if somebody said, Hey, you're going to go to Pixar pier. My initial thought of, is that it would be like stepping into kind of like, one of those movies like going into like cars land where I'm going to feel like I'm in the Incredibles or I'm going to feel like I'm in, in uh, toy story, or I'm going to feel like I imagine if you go to toy story land, it feels like you're in toy story movie, but they yeah. don't have those elements of like, you know, large toys larger than in human size toys sitting around. So you feel like you're small and you're in a toy type world. They don't, there's none of that feeling. It just feels like a kind of a, a, a kill coat of paint over what was there before, but you're still in what was there before. I mean, that's what it was. Pretty right? much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and then, and then, like you said, it is very disjointed where like, you know, it's Pixar pier, but you have little mermaid there. Um, so like, why is little mermaid in kind of like this area? Uh, it just feels kind of like, stuff just kind of thrown in um so definitely the ip park is is definitely got valid uh, point to it um i think i think i think i wouldn't have a problem with ip park but it doesn't feel like it's fully committed to the ip uh type thing so like it it's not like i mean you got like fantasy land and in disneyland where you're in like the fantasy area you say i'm in fantasy area i don't feel like that unless you're in uh cars land or i guess when when uh, avengers campus opens up you'll feel like you're in the comic book but you don't get that feeling when you're in all in the like Pixar pier area, uh, the grizzly peak area, uh, that feels like you said, it feels like that is centered around nature being out in the redwoods and stuff like that. And it, it holds that feeling. So it feels correct. But then these other areas within, uh, uh, in California adventure feel very disjointed from, and not what, they're they're not really selling me on what they're supposed to be is right so yeah well and it's like the you know it's, it's a tough comparison to compare cars land to pixar pier if only because obviously like cars land built from the grounds up uh built from the ground up to be exactly what it is uh so built like you know from inspiration versus pixar pier which was one thing and then they had to figure out a way of retheming it for. Uh, I, I get like why some of the rethemes have happened throughout uh, uh, a DCA uh, California Adventure. I don't. I don't fully understand why they felt the need to 
make that re-theme again, like talking about transitions. I think it, the transition worked when you went from uh, kind of uh, Grizzly Peak out to the pier. I think that's a great transition, uh, but out to like a, an IP themed, <laughs> heavily IP themed pier. I think it doesn't, it doesn't play as well in terms of a transition, but you know, I mean, the biggest problem with all of this is that it's like IP being used. And this is like what you're talking about with cards land versus Pixar pier. And you know, again, you could say the same thing about uh monsters Inc. But it's basically like IP being used as a Band-Aid versus IP being used as like inspiration. Like Cars Land is purely, there was, a, there was a great idea and it was purely built from the ground up from inspiration to be this like incredible immersive Cars experience. And so they're just able to deliver on that because like that is the intention versus starting with something and using IP as a band-aid to improve it right like that's so much of what disney california adventure is because when they did build it initially it was so poorly received that they were looking for these quick fixes like you know i don't remember if this was like a direct quote or even a paraphrase or if this is just some kind of somebody else's take on this it could could be any of it but it was like you know, it was very clear to Disney at the time that they felt like they needed to inject more Disney magic into California Adventure. And I'm sure I could see where they got that feedback of like, it just doesn't feel like Disney. And so they were like, okay, we'll throw in a bunch of Disney IP. <laughs> and and that worked for the most part. Like it certainly helped that park. And at the end of the day, like would I rather have what the park is today versus what the park was when it opened? Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is, it is kind of a mishmash and we'll see what happens when Avengers uh, campus opens up, but I don't think it's going to help it, but we'll see just to briefly tack on to, the DCA conversation. So Hollywood land uh, was on my list as well. The only, uh, the other area of DCA that was on my list for kind of like areas that could use just a, uh, some kind of fix <laughs> is the not, you know, we were talking about Pixar pier, but like Pixar, there's Pixar pier and then there's paradise gardens park, right? Paradise gardens park. It has uh is kind of to the, if you're looking out at Pixar Pier, it's to the right of that. That's where like Goofy Sky School mm -hmm. is. And there's like the, I forget what they call it, but it's like the pizza pasta oh, yeah. kind of place. And so, and there's like some, a little bit of overflow from Pixar Pier, but it is, it's like, it makes, it made sense in the context. Actually, I think Little Mermaid's technically part of Paradise Garden Park, not Pixar Pier. Um, but regardless like it, it made sense when it was paradise pier um as kind of like a maybe a quieter area of it but it just feels it feels off now man <laughs> it doesn't feel it feels like a really empty kind of spot that you you know uh unless you're one of the few people i learned this from posting on having an instagram post just asking like who actually likes goofy sky school there's apparently a lot of people that like goofy sky school but uh you know, assuming that you're not insane, like one of these people and, uh, and you actually feel like goofy sky school is a, a, a must skip ride. Like I think any rational person would, 
Um, you know, it, 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 uh, outside of that, they kind of have those general carnival rides. Like they've got the Zephyr, they've got the swings, they've got the jumping jellyfish. And again, it makes sense in the context of like old school pier fun, but just not in, not in like Pixar, (laughs) if that's what you're trying to do. And so, like I said, it just feels out of place. It feels weird. And usually if I end up in that area, it means that I've taken a wrong turn (laughs) or, or like, or like have decided that that's the fastest way to get out of Pixar pier because I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm over by, uh, Toy Story Midway Mania or something like that. And I'm like, I'm going to go the other way where nobody is, or <laughs> there's very few people. So uh, I'm going to avoid the congestion of the entrance. But yeah, like that, it's such a weird area, that park. Yeah, I have I have three things about that. One, the reason I uh, don't care for Goofy Sky School is because it is technically a roller coaster piece of it's garbage a roller coaster that you can find in many other like theme parks yeah uh yeah carnival I mean, they even have these at carnivals i've i've ridden this yeah. thing and they're like i mean it's wild mouse coasters that's what yeah they're called. it is not a unique it's not a unique uh roller coaster experience so i mean it's kind of why waste your time on it? And again, I, yeah. I don't care for it. Um, so, I mean, given I could be biased on that because I don't care for it, but the other thing is it is not a unique roller coaster experience as other rides are there. Uh, the other thing is I may be a little bit uh, upset because they opened, uh, they got rid of the Cove Bar and renamed it the Lamplight Lounge. And in doing so, they got rid of some of the favorite things I got from there. <laughs> <laughs> Their artichoke spinach dip was amazing there, and they got rid of that. But they had some other food items on there that were amazing, and they got rid of all those. And uh, I was very disappointed when I found out that they got rid of those items when they opened up the yeah. rethemed it to Lamplight Lounge too. And then the third thing is it's just the Pixar pier. It feels like they went all in on this like Pixar pier where they really, all they really, really changed was California screaming to any real degree of change. And it feels like if they had just caught changed California screaming to the Incredicoaster, which I could, still get behind on that uh and then not said like okay this is pixar pier i think it wouldn't get so much like kind of backlash of not being i mean it would still be weird but i don't think it would be as as big of a kind of like ah come on you didn't really do anything type deal because all the other changes were really just like we've said a coat of paint over what was already there existing. Well, that that's true. They have added two other rides though. But did they, cause you've got, um, they just moved that whirlwind. from the bugs life land. That's true. That's a good point. That's true. Uh, but, but for the area, let's say if we're comparing, uh, paradise pier to Pixar pier, it, it is new to the area. Let's put yeah. it that way. And, uh, whatever it is, um, uh, Jesse's uh, stampede 
uh, merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you could have changed those and not done like, hey, it's Pixar Pier. Because I think you set like a, yeah. an expectation when you uh, when you when you name something a certain way and when it and you get the backlash because it doesn't live up to that people's expectation of what that's going to entail I, I think it probably isn't as big of a deal to people who've never been to uh california adventure and they're coming for the first time and it's their first experiences with the pixar pier but from a lot of people they already experienced uh paradise pier before uh it was changed to pixar pier and they're most people are probably like well pff, whatever you know the change so it, it kind of you know they made a big deal about it and it doesn't feel like it was big deal worthy uh well yeah i, I think it is one of those situations though where it, i mean to exactly what you were saying if you are kind of like a repeat park goer that's going constantly, uh, then yeah, it's nothing special. But if you are somebody that hasn't gone very often, or if it's just like an occasional visit, uh, I think it gets a lot of play, man. Like from from what I can tell, I, you know, there's no metric on this, of course. Uh, there are generally outside of like the hardcore Disney park goers, like both of us. It gets a lot of love, man. There is a lot of love for that Pixar Pure theme. Um, and I wonder, too, like part of me wonders, again, this is just pure, pure educated guess. It's not even very educated, honestly. It's just a pure guess. Um, I wonder if part of the idea behind the re-theme, this is like what you're saying, like why re-theme everything if you're not going to fully execute and go all the way? I, I, part of me, I'll bet, I would bet not very much money. In fact, I will, I will bet no money, <laughs> but, uh, I, I would, I would, I would guess that uh, some of the thought process behind why retheme paradise to Pixar is that generally Disney is afraid of things feeling old, right? Like they're okay with nostalgic and they're okay with like things feeling classic, like that gets a that gets a pass and is very much protected, mm -hmm. right? Like you would never see them being them talking about like retheming Main Street or like Fantasyland because like that is classic, that has charm, that is like it's always fresh. You know what I mean? And and oftentimes I feel like I shouldn't say oftentimes, uh, but I feel like maybe there was concern. That if you are presented with this like historical place, like it does, like you you're already going in again, thinking of that younger crowd that's like Instagram focused and wants things to be fresh and new and speak to them. That that level of nostalgia around like a classic, like a, a classic like uh, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, Santa Monica Boardwalk, uh, you know, pier area that is like 1920s kind of feeling. I, I think that doesn't get as much play and there's concern there or there was concern that, you know, it feels old going in and that that's, that's a major turnoff as opposed to Pixar pier again. Like it, it, I think that gets a lot of play because it it's like, Oh, we can 
go with whatever the new hotness is in terms of the Pixar movie. And we've seen this, right? It's great for social media because when Toy Story 3 comes out, Forky shows up in all of these random spots and there's Instagram opportunities for Forky and whatnot. Um, and, you know, whatever, when, uh, when um, what was that last Pixar movie that came? Onward. When Onward came out, it was like, oh, we've got the van with the, the brothers out there, uh, you know, hanging out at the Pixar Plaza. So, you know, obviously more marketing opportunities, but it feels relevant, like just naturally it feels relevant because they can have whatever the thing at the moment is can be present there, which you can't do in Paradise Pier. Like by its definition, you cannot do modern in Paradise Pier, at least at least from a at least from a kind of set dressing perspective because you've already committed to kind of like classic, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, no, I, I get it. And, and, uh, I think you're right. I think, uh, and in, maybe in another way of looking at it and then we can, can move on from this, but another way to look at this is that, uh, by going with the Pixar peer theming, there's potential in the future for, changing things or updating things in the peer area without having to do a whole new retheme or, or adding something new to it without having to do a whole new retheming. And like you said, uh, it, you can add stuff or, or uh, appearances, uh, character interactions and stuff uh, in the meantime. But I think in the future, this being more future focused as well, where potentially in the future they can change something or add something uh, to that area yeah. and it won't seem out of uh out of the area or uh, disjointed and, and definitely the paradise pier was very limited in that you really couldn't add anything without it feeling disjointed from what the theme is. And you would have to eventually at some point retheme the area. And at least by retheming it at this point to Pixar pier, they have that in place. So as, and it may have been already in the like plan to do so at some point they can add and re re uh, update things without having to do that whole retheming. Uh, you just have to get that painful process over and retheme it. And then they can slowly start adding new stuff in and updating it over the years. Uh, so yeah. I think that's future proofing it at that point. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, would you take paradise pier over Pixar pier at this point? No. Yeah. I don't think I would either. <laughs> I loved it, but. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't either at this point. Yeah, so I uh, I also called out Critter Country. Um, I won't I won't go too much into it because I think you covered it very well. Uh, I think that there are a couple of things that they could do that again we're talking about kind of like small things that you could easily do to capitalize on that. Um, you know, if Hungry Bear does not end up being Tiana's palace, which you, they should have somewhere, but if the, if that's not the location, then I would say go a little bit further in on uh on kind of winnie the pooh theming around it because right now it feels very like i don't know b-level fast food-ish so 
um, you know, which I think is not particularly unique around the park. I think there's some items that are really good there, but I, I think most are just kind of like nothing really stands out for the most part. So, you know, figure out some way of theming it a little bit closer to, you know, poo, especially if you would say like you've officially entered the hundred acre woods, um, you know, and the first thing you see is, you know, hungry bear, uh, which I mean, kind of works with Winnie the Pooh anyway, but also, uh, get they get, get the honey popcorn from Tokyo Disneyland there immediately because it is, they have the honey popcorn stand right outside Pooh's honey hunt at Tokyo Disneyland. And it works so well and it smells incredible and it tastes even better. And they need that cart there immediately. Oh, that sounds delicious. I love Dude, It was amazing. I, I mean, that just sounds like I would be um, something I would definitely try myself. So dude, it, it was, it was the thing that as I was walking around Tokyo Disneyland, it was like, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to be really strategic about what I ate so that I didn't burn out, <laughs> like you know, in the first few hours. And then I'm just like, I can't eat anymore. What am I going to do? But, uh, uh, the honey popcorn was one of the things that I, uh, was like early on in my trip and my visit there had uh walked by and smelled it and was like oh my god this smells incredible uh you know i probably am gonna have to come back here and i didn't even make it that far around the park before i was like forget about it let's just do this and yeah it is like uh kettle corn but better so uh, like i said it's it's already there just just move the recipe over share the recipe between your parks like that's slam dunk uh, and then Critter Country becomes 100 Acre Woods, and then you're set. I mean, that that should be over there regardless whether they change it to 100 Acre Woods or not. I mean, yeah, you, it's true. I mean, they need more honey flavored stuff in, in that in that uh, shop, anyways. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 you, you got my vote there. I am, uh, I'm all for this. So. Um, and then the only other area that I called out, it's like a weird, there's a weird spot in fantasy land where it's like that walkway right after you pass by Matterhorn. It's like, if you're going by Matterhorn, walking up to small world where it's like on your left, you know, you pass by the teacups and then you pass by storybook land. And then on your right, you have the old, um, you have the old motorboat ride that's now like nothing it's just a lagoon yeah um and it's just like it and then as you go further you have that huge space dedicated to uh Fantasyland theater which i think was running mickey's magical map or something mm -hmm. like that which is a, a great show it's a fun show but it uses so much space and so and like i said it's just this weird spot where there's like that walk from like it and it's technically all fantasy land right it's yeah. like but there's nothing there and it's just empty and uh and it feels like you could do something better with that area it just feels really strange especially especially if you are to take the walk from you know through the castle through fantasy land which feels you know the the direct fantasy land which feels pretty cramped not in a bad way it feels very cozy there's just a lot going on over there but if you were to take that walk then out by 
Alice in Wonderland and then curve up towards Small World, it feels like you go from like cramped, crowded space to like empty to Small World, right? Yeah. So, I you know, it's a weird, I, I don't know, it's it's less maybe of a re-theme is more of just like, Hey, maybe we'll do something with this area. I don't know. It feels, feels underutilized. Yeah. The best way of uh, putting it. Yeah. I think it's, well, I think it would probably feel less underutilized if there was always like a show playing there, but so often the show isn't playing and then the fantasy land theater. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, nothing yeah. playing there. So, uh, I think we've gone there and they've had something else playing there at some point. But then there's also that like little like stand there. Um, and it's, they sell like the, uh, the large, pre- the extra large pretzel and baked <laughs> potatoes and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so of course the baked potato idea is like right up, uh, Lori's like, uh, interests and stuff it took forever for us to get her a baked potato there because they're only open like their hours are so weird compared to everything else because they're open so their hours are so short uh we would go there they'd be closed so it's like yeah i i agree they should do something with it i i think maybe they just need to be having more shows but i don't know um Maybe they have more shows. They just aren't playing in the off season, but I think they should be showing something there. Maybe they yeah. show like cartoons and stuff when they're not uh, showing like the, the big shows. So at least people can go there and like sit down and rest or something and, and it's being utilized yeah. or something. But yeah, that is a huge area that basically isn't being used. It's just, it's such a, like I said, you know, it's, um, I'm big on those like transitions between areas. Uh, it's something uh, I've always been super impressed with in terms of, you know, when a Disney park does it really well, it's, it's, it is pure magic. And that is one transition that is just funky, man. Especially like if you were to take that walk from again, like hub to fantasy land out of fantasy land up to small world and then go to, Toontown it is just it's the weirdest <laughs> it's the weirdest transitional walk ever it just doesn't make doesn't make any sense man you're like you know fantasy land uh feels good feels really well themed you're kind of in that you know storybook kind of setting and then you're just kind of like walking and walking and walking and you know there's like a theater and there's this kind of seating areas that are out on that jetty now in that lagoon which is like well okay fine and you hit small world which is like incredible of course and then you kind of on the left i think is where the theater is and then you you have the um you have the train and then you go underneath the train tracks and you're in toontown it's like what it's just just weird (laughs) it's super weird yeah so i don't know yeah something going on (laughs) Well, I mean, we have been talking a lot about Disneyland specifically, and for good reason, because this week especially, it feels like it's it's the first time in a while that we've had quite a bit of good news to start discussing. I mean, Disneyland is like the outlier in terms of all the Disney parks 
I guess Hong Kong is reclosed, so maybe they they're they're in there as well. But it's just been really radio silent since uh, they announced that they were not actually opening on July seventeenth. So it, it is it's just really nice to read something that, like the city of Anaheim, where Disneyland Park is located, of course. But they announced that today it's the twenty third of August. Today, believe it or not, um, but today is the first day that they've been off of the state of California's COVID watch list. So it basically means that they've kept their numbers down for an extended two-week period. I think there's like six different criteria that they have to meet in terms of data and numbers, and they've kept everything down, which is which is good times. So that it doesn't necessarily mean that there's any immediate changes from that, especially when it comes to theme parks. But it does mean that, like, you know, as long as these COVID numbers continue to stay down, it is positive momentum in terms of getting these parks up and running again. I mean, remember last week we read about how uh, the state of California is now starting to have those conversations in terms of, well, what do numbers need to be before we can even think about having theme parks being open? And so previously that was the reason that Disney couldn't open on the 17th of July was because the state of California said, listen, we're getting ready to, it seems like we're spiking. And of course, you know, California spiked through the roof. But at that time they were like, it's looking like we might be spiking again. We're not even willing to have conversations around opening of theme parks quite yet. And, and so it's basically been radio silent until just this, I guess, two weeks ago. So, I mean, again, we're getting there. We're moving, man. And it does feel like maybe we're a little bit closer than we've been in a really long time with this announcement, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a long, long time. And this is if this is kind of a I mean, this is a good news for sure. And it goes along with last week's announcement that they're in talks. Uh, they're finally talking to uh, officials about. Uh, you know, what this about, you know, reviewing the plans and make when they're like, you know, they're starting these talks. And this just uh, adds to that as far as hopes that at some point in this year, uh, Disneyland will actually finally open. Uh, yeah. So this is this is definitely good news. But we need to maintain this, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, especially with the uh, Labor Day holiday weekend coming up uh, pretty mm. soon. Uh, but, I mean, that being said, you know, hopefully, it. I mean, Labor Day is definitely a holiday weekend, generally not as big as, say, Fourth of July. So you don't get necessarily as big a parties going on, but it is still holiday. So I imagine people are still going to celebrate. So we need to be mindful, but uh, we need to keep those numbers down just in general, period. But, you know, if we want to see the parks open, those numbers need to be steady, steadily going down. Um, yeah. But that's right. Yeah. But I mean, a little hope, right? Yeah. More hope. It's good, man. It feels good. It's like I'd forgotten what this feeling was of uh, being hopeful that maybe Disneyland will be open uh, in 2020. So, and the crazy thing, dude, 
that is not the only positive movement that we had when it comes to Disneyland Resort, right? As we just had on, uh, it was last Wednesday, we also had the chairman of Disney Parks, Josh Tomorrow, post a few pictures of the Avengers Campus construction site at California Adventure. So the good news, of course, uh, in looking at those pictures, is that that Quinjet that we've seen, so many of uh, the pieces of art and concept work for Avengers Campus, that's been officially placed on top of the Avengers headquarters, man. And it looks pretty good. What do you think? What was it? What was the Henry Hall reaction? Oh, it was. It, it looked really, really good. Of course, it's it's weird because uh, you know it's not a one to one scale uh, as most. <laughs> that was my thought too. It looked a little small. As as most Disney is, it's 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 a yeah. it's it's scaled down just because you know they don't have the room to have a a life size uh, Quinjet up there because I imagine that'd be pretty large. Uh, but it looked really good. It definitely looked good. And it was a good feeling that it was being placed, it's been placed up. So there's been, you know, they've gotten, a, they're actually getting work done. So, yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah. And then we also had that, uh, we also had that, it looked like that logo for the Web Slingers ride has been installed. At, at least it seemed like it was the outside of that entrance building. It's looking very, very Spider Man y, which I think is the, idea for the spider-man ride but uh but yeah i mean two pretty core pieces of that future land are uh are in place so yeah big time progress i think just at least from a symbolic standpoint i think uh i think that was great to see uh so some not so great news at least from what able at least from what i was able to pick up from some of his pictures um, so you do get kind of an idea of construction progress and it does still look like there, there is a way to go. Maybe not necessarily a long way, but that there's still some, uh, some major elements that need to be put in place. Uh, we've got plenty of scaffolding and scrim that are covering up some of the exposed building walls. Looks like there was some pavement that needed to be, uh, done on that, uh, that kind of main central area of the, uh, of the campus. And, you know, we can only see the exteriors obviously within these shots. Um, so that's really where it looked like there was work that needed to be done, but we have no idea of course, of what those interiors look like of what, uh, of what the status of and where they're at with getting that, uh, getting that web slingers ride up and running. So of course, totally, they could be in a really good place. They could be almost done, but it doesn't really look like they're in a, a similar position like that Beauty and the Beast ride and New Fantasyland, which it sounds like it's pretty much done. They're just waiting for the opportune moment to uh, to to unveil and, and really open it up for everybody. So, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely still seems like maybe it's not, there has been work on the area and that work is continuing, but that it's been at a much slower clip than I think we were hoping for. <laughs> I don't know what the word would even be. I well, mean, it's, you know, you hope for the best, expect for the worst. But yeah, it still seems like there's some stuff that needs to get handled. Well, I mean, I, I imagine that stuff is still needing to, to get done. Um, but I'm pretty certain stuff like, um, I imagine the pavement around there is done 
towards the end because you have like heavy machinery yeah. driving around. You don't want that totally. on your nice new pavement. Uh, and I, I'm pretty certain, I mean, given I'm not a, uh, I'm definitely not an expert on construction, but I, it kind of makes sense to me that you don't put the stuff on the, the decorations on the outside until you're pretty much at least done moving everything into the interior. I mean, everything may right. not be set up in the interior, but probably most of the heavy lifting is done for the interior. There's probably still like, they're probably doing like setup still inside, but I imagine at least the heavy lifting is done because you don't want to put your nice new, uh, awesome looking, uh, Quinjet on top and then have to move it or, put like you know crane in like the other equipment into the building which oftentimes may actually have to be done without a roof on top so uh, right. i i imagine they may be more uh far ahead than further ahead than we may think but yeah i mean given i am not an expert on that i i totally could be <laughs> why not <Henry? laughs> i mean uh, uh, so they could i mean I wish I was, and I could give you like an exact, <laughs> but uh, I, th I think though at this point, you know, seeing some movement is, is good, but I think, yeah, it's, it's going to feel like it's, you're not enough. I mean, at this point, I feel like it should have been done, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best that they're further ahead than, than we thought they are. I'm not surprised that, uh, I, that the asphalt and the, uh, like cement work outside isn't done just because there weren't, uh, still driving around, uh, equipment. But when you do see that stuff go in, I think they're, pretty close to being done so i guess that will be kind of the sign uh that they're getting closer to opening or at least being done is that stuff yeah. being in so yeah it's good. It definitely makes sense for sure um yeah i uh definitely gone back and forth on this just because uh, you know, like I said, you look at that image, especially of them on the ground, and you could kind of see the Quinjet in the background. Like, it still definitely looked like it was rough around the edges. That being said, to your and this goes to what you're saying too, and your point, like, I don't think that, you know, Josh Tomorrow, he's probably, whether he's here already or whether he flew in specifically for this, I don't think that he calls up, you know, the, um, the president of Disneyland and then calls up, I guess Kevin Feige of Marvel was there too. Uh, but so he calls up Kevin Feige, calls up the president of Disneyland, says like, hey, you guys want to take a tour just out of the blue? And they go, oh, yeah, 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 sure, let's do this. And then they all go down with all the Imagineers and the construction people with a, with a press photo crew <laughs> and then take a bunch of press photos basically that then I'm sure have to go through marketing before they can be shared on. I think, I think tomorrow shared it on all of his social channels. So before it gets shared uh, on his social channels. So, you know, uh, certainly 
uh, they do a great job, especially him. He does a very good job of making his posts seem uh, very kind of ad hoc and personal. <laughs> and like, it's just your buddy sharing his uh, his photo at work or sh- sharing his photo of the day at Disneyland. It's like, yeah, yeah, that is definitely a uh, a planned strategy. And how much of that is like a, a marketing campaign? Like it probably isn't that in depth, but certainly, you know, <laughs> Kevin Feige is not coming out just for a day to see the status and, and, you know, just to see the Quinjet. Like there is, there's some machine behind the scenes rolling here. So I agree. Like, I think that they're not going to start these gears turning. They're not going to be advertising progress unless, unless, unless they really were, you know, I, I don't know about getting ready, but close, relatively close to making some kind of, announcement and and obviously you know Disneyland being open is a is a major roadblock so it's it might it might very well just be that you know Disneyland gets announced for like you know a month in in whenever a month in advance they make that announcement that Disneyland's opening and then like soon after that they also announce like oh and we know when Avengers is going to be handled and that's when they start moving towards completing all of that, right? Yeah, I think it's also could be kind of that slow like build up to to yeah announcing this kind of stuff. This is this is like you know because they have been pretty much the radio silent on Avengers Campus, so this is kind of that starting to kind of get people back interested in it again and say hey you know remember this this is this is still happening type thing to kind of ensure people that you know this is still going to happen but like you said they're not going to do it until more than likely until they're getting you know closer to this actually being like done done then uh you know makes no sense to to show progress when like there is no progress (laughs) right well plus it's like feige is i'm sure he's very busy (laughs) and i'm sure you don't bring a photo crew out to a construction scene you know unless there is like something more to it than just like hey kevin i'm gonna see we got this quinjet or you know he's just coming in for an update like it, it like I said, it seems way more organized to that. Do you think that Avengers Campus opens this year, assuming that the parks are open, of course? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Like, I want to say that they would open it as soon as possible. Maybe it, that might just be wishful thinking, though, on my part. But I would, I. Honestly, my gut feels that even if they finish it this year, they'll they'll hold off until next year uh, to officially open it. But I don't know on that. It's it's really kind of like this. We're in this weird state because I think uh, because of the COVID, like I think if there was like a clear time where we had like. Uh, something like uh we actually had a way to like cure this thing you know we actually had something that's going to cure this thing and we had that date when we're going to get that cure 
they would definitely hold off on that until after that so they could have the biggest crowd they could. Um, but with COVID-19 as it is and how they're saying that even once we have a way to like cure this, um, however they may do that, we still will have to deal with this thing. It's still going to linger uh, around. So maybe it's, it's open as soon as possible because you can't do a huge grand opening like you want to do. So I, I don't know at this point, I, 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 I've, I don't want to well. give bad information at this point because I've been <laughs> I've been wrong so many times. I basically come out and I say, "Oh, this is not going to happen." And next week it comes out, "Oh, this is happening." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think I'm gun shy at this point. Uh, so don't want to uh, jinx Halloween. I don't want to like, and I. Well, it's just that I think the thing is, is that there's literally it feels at this point there's a 50-50 yeah. chance it could go either way they could open it as soon as possible um or they could hold off uh but the the problem i think the thing the reason they would hold off is so that yeah. they could do a huge grand opening of the land but it looks like at this point you're not going to even once we get into next year there's not going to be anything clear you're not going to be able to get a clear date when you can actually do a huge grand opening period so it, it at this point you can't really do that and maybe it's just best to open it when you can open it because people have been expecting it and people will just come and enjoy it as it it'll it'll since maybe people at this point would be on the fence to go in to go to the parks because of COVID-19 this is that thing that coax them in if they were on the fence whether to go or not this is that thing that puts them over the edge to make an effort to come in although i doubt there's going to be uh, uh i guess they don't they may not want to have the empty park that you hear about at uh magic kingdom even though hollywood the hollywood park is not lacking thereof but if they open up the two parks, Disneyland's going to be packed because they have Galaxy's Edge and they have Rise of the Resistance. They probably want to avoid California Adventure being that empty park of Magic Kingdom. And this is a way to keep people from ignoring California Adventure and they can get people over on the other side as well. So, Henry Hall. Will... This land be open this year if the parks are open. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hey, you're 50, locked 50. up here. You're not even okay. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that there's probably no chance. I would be shocked. Um, I think if it were, you know, if we were talking about Pixar Pier again, then sure, no problem. Like it's. You know, it, 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 it's not a huge splash maker, um, but I think because there are because it goes even beyond just like a Disney park, right? Like very much like Galaxy's Edge, Avengers Campus is in part built as a media synergy machine and generator, right? Like 
it is there to market, not just not just to be a cool place to be at a Disney park, but to market whatever the latest and greatest Marvel movie is to park goers, right? Like you're not just riding Spider-Man, you're getting ready for the new Spider-Man movie. And when you come out, there's Thor and he's advertising the new Thor movie. And oh, look over there at Pim's Test Kitchen. There's Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they're advertising the new, like, it, like that is the reason that it exists, right? Like, that's what they need this to be. And so if it's not doing that, I, uh, I kind of, I agree with what you're saying that it is, uh, then they probably would want to push it to a point where it can do that and that it can create the splash that it needs to. Like, I think what, what would not be in their benefit is for them to just open it without like a huge media splash marketing campaign that's in every local newspaper on every local news channel, uh, you know, like all over the internet, all, you know, the influencers everywhere are writing about and taking pictures of and videos of, and vlogging and blogging, like if they don't have that that machine running uh, close to full tilt, then it's it is. It, I mean, it's it's beyond even a missed opportunity. It 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 lowers the value of the land, and like within time, it will kind of recapture all of its glory as soon as more people can come in. But you know what I mean? Like it's like every every theme park thing. It, it starts to like the longer it's been around, like the less shiny of a new object it is. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I just don't think, I don't think that it's, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Right. Like they're not even going to be able to have like a huge press event that they had for galaxy's edge or, you know, tons of tons of just like uh media there for media day and, you know, for the next, I don't know, if if they're to go by, like, how Disney World has their thing structured, dude, they're taking reservations until September 2021. So that may mean that, like, they're not, I, I don't think they're going to hold off that long. I think that would be majorly problematic. But, uh, but you know, like, if, 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 they're, if they spend a ton of money on marketing to tell people that it's there and people can't go... <laughs> just because of reservation limits or, you know, health reasons or whatever, it's a problem because that juice is spent. They're not going to be able to remarket it in the same way. It's not going to get that splash the second time around. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that was my, kind of my point is that they want to open this thing big. They definitely want to go big with this opening. The problem with the COVID-19 that is, is that there's no definite, like, when are they going to be able to do that? And like you said, I mean, they are taking reservations up till September and Magic Kingdom. So they're, they basically kind of come to the, uh, they're kind of thinking that this thing is going to go for a long time. Now, that's where I kind of feel like maybe they open it up earlier because you just aren't going to be able to get that opportunity to go super big. Uh, but they may do something big with it 
it, they just have to think outside the box. So Shang, uh, Shang-Chi, whoever that is, is uh, it's the only movie right now on the, well, there's May 7th, 2021, and then Spider-Man, uh, uh, the new Spider-Man movie, December 17th, 2021. I could see a situation where, you know, let's say Shang-Chi gets pushed to July, July 2021. Um I think we are going to be certainly from an attendance standpoint, one would hope that we're in a better place in terms of, I mean, listen, if the parks aren't open by July of 2021, we've got bigger problems. (laughs) Similarly, if we're, if we're still like really freaked out and having COVID problems, again, we've got bigger problems than all of this. So let's just, let's just take the, Let's just take the like charitable route here. The, like I feel like it's the the most realistic route, and suggest that like things are gonna at least have improved uh, from a from a a virus standpoint. People are gonna be feeling a little bit more confident. Hopefully, you know, with that we start to see those restrictions in terms of capacity easing. I could. I I, I think it's I think it's totally believable. And you could still get that kind of big pop, like what we're talking about, if they just save it for July, whatever, or wherever Shang-Chi gets pushed, assuming that it's somewhere within that summer time frame. Um, I I mean, I I don't think it's too crazy that they just sit on Avengers Campus for six months, even seven months. Um, It's not like you're going to get a ton of people in anyway, so like... What do you have to lose by just sitting on it? You know, you're not getting, you're not getting tons of, you're, you're not going to be allowing tons of people through the gates regardless. So like, you know, you're not, you, 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 I just don't think there's that much to lose by sitting on it there. So that's a situation I could see though. Uh, I'm sure that they wish that it would be uh, a character that people know who that is, <laughs> but maybe that'll be the synergy part, right? Like they'll, They'll be able to market Shang-Chi uh, in a way through the parks that will get people interested in seeing that movie. Yeah, the other thing I think, too, is that they may want to have the Avengers Campus open before Shang-Chi comes out so that sure. you can say, like, hey, you know, if we have Avengers Campus, here's your opportunity to come meet Shang-Chi. but. Right. I mean, I guess the thing that's kind of also in a weird spot is that uh, there's nothing in Avengers Campus currently that, well, I mean, unless they do it specially for Shang-Chi, that would be actually marketed towards Shang-Chi as, you know, he's not, well, he is technically an Avenger, but he's not of the MCU uh, Avengers, and I mean, and he technically doesn't have any powers. He's he's just like, uh, like supposed to be the the best martial artist in the uh, Marvel universe. Uh, I'm just talking about from a marketing standpoint, like lining it up so that you're right. Like not like, hey, they open on the same day, but like it, that that is it's launching in conjunction with whatever kind of plan that is. And, and, and dude, I hear what you're saying, because again, I have no, I've, I'm pretty sure I've never heard of this dude until 
I don't know, he was just mentioned as having his own movie and I don't know anything about him. Not a big Marvel person, clearly. But um, but regardless, like if there is any one company that knows how to handle that situation, it's Disney and specifically Disney Parks, dude. They've been doing this, they've been doing it for decades, right? Anytime there's a new animated movie, whether that character fit into the park at all, like they would have their own parade float. They would have their own walk around characters. It would be plastered everywhere. Like, I, I feel like that that shouldn't be. I, I feel like if that's a major challenge for Disney and specifically, you know, Disney and Marvel combination, um, that, yeah, they need to go. There's, again, problems. <laughs> like They've been doing it for so long. They they know this. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I, I agree. They know how to handle this. I mean, look at the stuff that they did when uh, Black Panther uh, released. They yeah, had exactly. The, they had the uh, Wakandan uh, parades going down yeah. uh, and stuff. So they totally know what they're doing when it comes to this stuff. But uh, that being said, it is an interesting uh, development of, like, if they were trying to line up uh, the launch or the grand opening of Avengers Campus with Shang-Chi, that, as you kind of point out, and the fact that, like, you're not the only person who does not know Shang-Chi. It is a a character that, like, is so kind of obscure and been, like, kind of B-listed of the characters um, that it's, it's kind of a, it is a kind of a worst case situation for like, is definitely not the character you want to use to opening up your park, your, your Avengers campus. You want something like a character like Spider-Man or an Avengers movie. Uh, But definitely Spider-Man would be super ideal since he is the most popular superhero character out there bar none i know everybody that's true but they weren't gonna they weren't gonna have that anyway though yeah they weren't gonna have it I, have it e- anyways uh, and i think we've talked about this where ideally opening up avengers campus would have coincided with uh avengers movie or something yeah. like that um yeah, yeah. so i i think they've kind of missed the kind of the movie tie-in um they could try and do something with uh black widow though that would be a legitimate kind of tie-in because she is a known Avenger. And sure. uh, so it, they could try and do something for her opening with, and that is November. So it That's is true. still doable. They, they got to get moving then. Oh yeah. <laughs> they got to get moving, dude. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> you got to get the parks open first. Like right now it's looking like maybe if things get approved, like maybe they can meet October, but man. Yeah. I, I, Hey man, I, uh, I'm all about the uh, I'm all about the optimism. Like let's let's drive it home, baby. Well, I'm just saying. I'm 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 just saying is that they could do it. I just I don't think there's like a huge push for like Shang Chi because like the thing that like a lot of these characters had going for them. Even if you look, for instance, at Black Panther as not being hugely well known before he started appearing in in the movies but when he had his own movie there was a lot to like draw on uh for that character and there was a lot that you could you could uh use and you could do a parade because he had the wakanda nation with him in that movie and there was a lot to use 
to do like uh, promotions with and and do a parade or whatever. Um, Shang Chi is not that character. He is kind of a a lone wolf character. Um, not to say that he's not a great character. He's just he's not that character. It was like having like how Blade came out, except for Blade was probably well known, better well known than Shang Chi uh, before they made the Blade movies. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff that you can you you can bring in to kind of celebrate the character of Blade. The same to be with Shang Chi, um, but. I mean, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, I, I would just say that clearly somebody at Marvel feels uh, differently, that they have enough to pull from. And listen, again, I have no idea. I can't speak to any of the kind of source material, but clearly somebody within Marvel and Disney feels like there's enough to pull from this character to give him his own film and not like some team up or something like that. Uh, so... Again, like I'm, I'm kind of tepid on all the Marvel movies, but they've been very good about identifying characters that they can figure out a way to market really well and, uh, and get awareness around, you know, people and things that you wouldn't normally, uh, either know about or care about. Like they figure out a way to make them relevant. So, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I think the fact that he has his own movie suggests that there's enough confidence then at least what they're doing on the film side to, to draw significant interest. So if that's there, one would think that they could translate that into theme park something, but yeah, I don't yeah, mean, we're, we'll see. I mean, I think it's, it's, this is why I kind of didn't want to like, I want to, I don't really feel comfortable committing to when it's going to open, if it's going to open up early or if it's going to be open later. Honestly, my gut says it's going to be later and it's not going to be this year. But, you know, it, you know, I say one thing this week and next week they're like, hey, we're opening up this November, you know. Oh, it's a good strategy <laughs> you got going. I see what you're doing here. Manipulating fate. Attaboy. <laughs> Always works out in everyone's favor. Um, yeah, you know, and it, honestly, like it may not even be a thing of just like, I mean, we're looking at this as kind of like a singular attraction or land in this case. And when it makes sense for this specific land, part of me has a feeling and we'll, I, I almost feel like we should look to Epcot at Ratatouille and see what goes on there and how that progresses because, it's, it's kind of in a similar situation. Obviously, it's a ride versus a land, but they're also mostly done and kind of just working on a lot of set dressing. And probably, like, if that's an open park. What I mean, they were supposed to be open in summer, so the timing works that they probably could be open this year, but part of me also wonders, is there just a mandate across parks saying, listen, we're just we're just we're just going to try to stay alive this year. And then next year, we're going to really start blowing up with all of our new stuff, because, again, like there's just, it, you know, it they can't capitalize on any kind of major crowd excitement. So I could totally see it where it's just, hey, all of these new rides that were almost done. Like, let's keep working on them, but let's not open anything this year. 
this is just again this goes with the this is just a, a dead year <laughs> this is a lost year well i mean the only thing is is that as you pointed out that park is is open and we've heard that those parks have had uh attendance issues so it may not necessarily and and of course we are talking about one ride compared to like a land so there's there are some 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 differences there for sure and so they may actually open up that ride just to see if that gives a bump in attendance to that park but sure i don't know if nothing else yeah i mean if nothing else it would just show that there is still a willingness to open rides despite low attendance right yeah. <laughs> despite the lower draw that it's going to bring in i think that's the that's the test case because yeah. like I, like we were talking about right now i'm not confident that they're willing to do that so we'll yeah see. if they do yeah if they open it now then yeah it looks like they're they would be willing to possibly open up the uh, yeah. Avengers campus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. We'll have, we'll have to see about that. Interesting. Interesting to see where that goes. That would be crazy to think that was supposed to be in July, and here we are, and we just have no idea what's up with it. So, <laughs> anyway, speaking of parks that do have a lot of things going on, and also, at least at this point, don't seem to be having problems with attendance. Uh, Universal Orlando, which I just keep hearing is more packed than ever these days. Um, but it shouldn't come as a big surprise that they're still going through kind of operational changes, right? So I've already talked about how they've had some rides that they've closed, some hotels that they've closed for the remainder of the year. We've seen some park hours change, uh, and we've seen a ton of new uh, perks that have been introduced to really juice up annual pass holder numbers because that seems to be the crowd that they're bringing in. So it makes sense that that's who they're, that they're going to start rolling down on maybe some of these hotels and rolling up into trying to lure more people to spend money on annual passes, at least the locals. So yeah, now uh, I guess it sounds like they are having even more hotels closed down for this. So uh, we're now losing Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel and Universal's Endless Summer Resort, Dockside Inn and Suites. It's a mouthful. Uh, those will also be closed for the remainder of 2020. So that, all in all, cuts down like half of the hotels for Universal. So I think there's eight total. They're now operating at four hotels. So um, apparently they're still seeing that drop in uh, out-of-towners coming and visit the park. So they're matching up with Disney uh, as well. So pretty pretty wild for sure. Uh, and they, they've also rolled out, I think they've actually started doing this, a date-based model for their day ticket. So it, it kind of matches what Disney does, but basically crowded days are going to be more expensive and less crowded days are going to be less expensive. So uh, no Big surprise there, I guess. If, if anything, it's a surprise that they weren't doing that before. But uh, but their biggest change is happening over at that water park, man. So starting September 8th, Volcano Bay will be closed every Tuesday and Thursday for the remainder of the year. Uh, it, dude, it's pretty nuts to think that there is going to be... I mean, it's a relatively... I would say it's a major theme park. It's not like a full gate... But it's uh, it's a pretty 
pretty legit kind of water park that's going on over there. And it's going to be closed for, for a small portion of the week. So uh, I don't know, man, I, that that's pretty wild that they would open all the way and then retract just days open. But I mean, maybe Disney saw this coming because their water parks are still not open. I don't know. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I think it, it may be. Um, I could see where there's more concern about like covid outbreaks because of the water parks totally uh, so i mean i don't know if it it may be an attendance issue where they're not getting the attendance there or maybe it's just like maybe we should close this before there or at least limit this as much as possible before you know something does something bad does get linked to these parks because i mean you can't really wear a mask when you're at a water park park because that's gonna you get it wet and then it's gonna be hard to breathe through it so there's a lot of not protection there and it's hard to enforce that you know the social distancing and stuff so it's got to be a nightmare working not only like you know going to one of these parks but for the workers there they've got to be like you know scared of getting infected but then they may also have issues with with being infected so it might be hard to keep your uh your manpower up as well so uh i can i could see issues <laughs> with a water park yeah so yeah if i if i remember correctly i think the I think their policy in terms of masks was like if you're if you're in a cabana or you're lying out in like a beach lounge chair that it has to be on but that while you're on rides while you're waiting in line to go on you know any of the slides it's like no mask required so yeah for sure and i feel like i remember reading a couple of reports right when it first opened saying that it was a little bit chaotic and uh and that that it turned off a lot of people from going so i would i could totally see where it it is attendance and you know people are just getting spooked because of uh you know that that major spike that florida had and then it also just being the nature of a wet and close proximity water park not that appealing yeah i mean it's been a long time since I've been to a water park. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, man, are you a water park person? You don't strike me as one. Well, you know, there was a time where I loved water parks. And uh, and then <clears throat> I think at some point in, in high school, I went to a water park uh, because of my, uh, my father's, no, my stepmother's uh, company had a, their, their annually annual picnic it was at the state fair but you part of the ticket is you got to go into their the water park that's right next door and we went on that water park and i had several issues happen there Uh-oh. uh nothing like i i didn't do anything was it diarrhea no 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 uh there there uh, to be fair, there was a, uh, an embarrassing story that did happen to me during that visit, but there part of that uh, that visit was uh, I did go on a 
a uh, water ride and it did scare the dickens out of me uh just because it felt like i was going to fly out of the uh out of the slide and i was like nope not doing that again uh and (laughs) i just never went to another water slide again after that um there is also the issue of like you know my body consciousness is just not there for me going. I mean, if I had uh, a child, I I probably would go. But since we do not, we were not blessed with a child, uh, we do not uh, go to the water parks. Yeah. 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 I, uh, you know, there was definitely a time where I was into them. Uh, That time is long gone. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I can't get past the idea that I'm just, uh, swimming in pee, basically. <laughs> Doesn't sound that appealing to me, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, the, uh, so yeah, man, like that's pretty wild, but believe it or not, man, a couple of days a week is nothing compared to the even spicier rumor coming out of Disneyland Paris right now. Uh, WDW News Today and a few other outlets have multiple sources saying that the powers that be are considering closing back down Walt Disney Studios Park in part because of the low attendance that they've been experiencing out in Paris. The park did come out and say uh, that that is not true. They denied this. So uh, there's that. But... um, but again, everybody is still standing by their story and sources. It did sound like uh, uh, there was quite a few of these sources come directly from cast members. So again, take that for what it's worth. But uh, but yeah, it sounds like it is perhaps been some idea that's been floated around. And dude, like if this actually were to happen, if there is a kernel of truth here, it would not be, at least for me, wouldn't be all that surprising when I was there. In December, a lot of the rides were already closed down. Because, I mean, Walt Disney Studios is going through a major makeover right now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they're re-theming a bunch of the areas, and they're adding a Star Wars land, a, I think it's a Frozen land. Um, So, because of that, it is, like, construction central. And right now, there are, like... I doubled, I even double checked this. There are three like e ticket like attractions that are worth riding. Everything else is kind of, you could, it's, it's a total skip that are either replicas of other rides that are in other parks or just like, you know, nothing, nothing to write home about. So, you know, it, it, there's just not much there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's basically Tower of Terror, which is kind of a replica of California Adventures Tower of Terror. There's Crush's Coaster, which is fantastic. It's a it's a fun kind of dark roller coaster set in Finding Nemo, very well themed, just a lot of fun, total hidden gem. And then Ratatouille, which is fun, and but it's going to be an Epcot at some point here. So, you know, those are basically the three you got. <laughs> like there was a rock and roller coaster, but that's getting rethemed to Iron Man, I think an Iron Man ride. Oh, I think they do have an Avengers thing going there too. So regardless, they've got a lot going on. So uh, right now, you know, 
certainly you would you'd be a fool to go for a single park day at Hollywood Studios, but it's like even you'd have to weigh the cost of is it worth even getting a park hopper at this point? Like maybe if you want to check out Crushes and you want to check out Ratatouille and you do want to check out, you know, Tower of Terror, but outside of that, psh, total skip. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me if if I mean it from what you've you know been saying and and the reports coming out is that they've they've got just a ton of uh construction in the works like coming down either like it's happening or it's planned to be happening soon so it probably this is probably a great time to just close and knuckle down on that construction and get it knocked out so when like when you when we've got a handle on this stuff and and you can like do a a a big grand opening everything is or you've got a lot to to uh to offer you've got a whole like almost new land to to open up so yeah i mean get yeah get ahead of it as much as possible or at least they can get some stuff done so that they can get like a, a kind of a, a fresh vibe to the land and yeah and reopen it or when they open it when we got a better handle on this so that makes sense it, it, it's totally insane to think that they would close a park just because <laughs> nobody's going which is basically what this rumor is based on is like you know like all other Disney parks, with one exception, uh, you know, it's they're hitting, they're being hit hard with attendance issues because of all of these, this kind of lack of travel and tourism in general. But it's pretty wild to think that they would just close a park like that. We'll see. But uh, but finally, so going in the complete opposite direction of just about all other major theme parks, Shanghai Disneyland will be increasing their capacity this week. Apparently, everything has been moving along so well that, they've all, that they'll also be resuming limited character meet-and-greets and shifting to a new, more flexible reservation system. Why this matters is that Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, has stated, I think multiple times, that Shanghai is like their test bed for all of these new systems and new processes. So what works there is going to be carried over to the U.S. parks. We've seen that with the reservation system. We've seen that with all of these health and safety security measures that they've increased. So, you know, uh, it totally makes sense that if this is something that works for them, that we're going to start seeing this in the U.S. parks as well. But First of all, capacity going from 30 to 50% on August 24th, which is, I guess, in line with, uh, a, uh, with the Chinese government easing up on tourism restrictions. So that's a government mandate because that applies to all businesses. So that gives them a good excuse to increase everything. And with that capacity increase, Shanghai Disney is also easing up on many of the restrictions that their reservation system for tickets imposed. Uh, specifically, it seems like annual pass holders are a big part of this, which is a good thing, especially for us at Disneyland. 
Uh, but the biggest change for everybody, not just annual pass holders, but day ticket holders as well, is that uh, you will be able to purchase a ticket, make a reservation, and go to the park all on the same day. Previously, they released kind of tickets in bunches well ahead of time. So you had to have your ticket, you had to have your reservation in place well before your actual day at the park. Now it seems like there's going to be enough capacity so that theoretically anyway, if you have, if you, uh, if there is a ticket available, you're able to purchase it, make your park reservation, and then just head to the park. So that's, that's uh, a little closer to the normal experience, which is great. Obviously, if you're an AP ticket holder, then you just have to ensure that there's a reservation to make. Uh, because you will still have to make a reservation as an AP, um, but you will be able to visit uh, on any day that your pass allows. So if you have a super great pass that gives you access to 365 days, then uh, you'll be able to book for any of those days. However, of course, there's still that you can only have one reservation at a time rule in place. So uh, that may make things a little bit more complicated. You just can't book tons of reservations or even a few reservations at a time. You still have to book that reservation, go to the park before you can make a new one. Uh, the other big kind of movement here is that the, the, uh, the reservation window for you as an annual pass holder goes from seven days to 30 days. This is not something that necessarily applies to the U.S., but Basically, before in Shanghai, you you could only look toward to, to uh, you only looked seven days in the future to see how things were going in terms of those reservations. So made obviously uh, long term planning a little bit more difficult. Thirty days gonna make it a little easier. So those are a few of those changes that are going on, at least in terms of that reservation system. Sounded like the meet and greet was basically kind of like a normal meet and greet, but it was socially distanced. They had like a yellow box or something like that painted on the ground in front of the character where you could stand in and take selfies. So they kind of a closer, maybe, maybe a little more closely mimics kind of what a traditional meet and greet picture and experience would be, but with appropriate social distancing. So ending on a good news at Shanghai Disneyland, huh? We're moving forward there too. It's like, nice to see when, when a society comes together, we can actually have more good things <laughs> baby steps man we'll be looking back at this sitting in uh where will we be where will we be sitting we'll be sitting in the blue bayou looking back at this laughing crying remembering the dark days blue bayou or cafe or cafe orleans <laughs> there you go or maybe we'll just we'll stick to the theme here pim's test kitchen Ooh, there you go yeah that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 30 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care, big guy. Talk to you next week. Peace out, man. Bye.